Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am here with our illustrious producer, Nathan Yoder, our series co-host, Alyssa Catanzaro, the phenomenal, remarkable Alyssa. And then uh, we are also here with a very special guest, Nick Trombley from 441 Ministries. And I think y'all are gonna enjoy him. He went to college near me, love that. So there we go. So we are in the middle of a series, Why Should I Volunteer? It's based off these last two years, what we've went through, knowing that you know at some point it's important to get involved. And today's question based on 441 Ministries is this, why would I volunteer at a neighborhood nonprofit. Alyssa, what do you think about this topic? Yeah, so I have a, I know a little bit more about 441 um, just through, actually a couple of my friends volunteer there. So that's super cool. Um, I love it and I'm very excited to talk more with Nick um, just about what 441 does, yikes. but yeah, I think it's just super important, especially now as we, as I've grown up in Rochester, just taking care of Rochester or taking care of wherever you live is just beautiful and important. Wow, that was, <gasps> I, I love that. So anyways, Nick, we're here. Tell, we <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you got connected to 441 Ministries. Yeah, so um, I guess first, as we're talking about uh, volunteering and and uh, just being here at Browncroft, just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be here, and thanks to all the many Browncroft volunteers who work with 441. It's it's great to just yeah. be part of this <laughs> community, um, so thank you. You said that uh, this was your first time in this building, right? First time in this building, yeah, wow. I, and I didn't get lost, <laughs> so you gave good directions, but it's, uh, <laughs> we it's a big building. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so a little bit about me. I grew up in Canandaigua, New York, and as uh, Peter mentioned, went to college um, near him, which is uh, Eastern University, down outside of uh, Philadelphia. Um, and during my freshman year of college, I um, got really convicted about um, the background of my upbringing in Canandaigua and some folks in Rochester. Um, Eastern University has a focus on faith, reason, and justice. And during our intro class, um, we were just looking at um, a bunch of justice issues, including some to deal with uh, schooling that um, just kind of juxtaposing schools kind of in in closer proximity than Canandaigua Rochester but I was feeling like man you know my high school was like that that really nice one that we're reading and talking about and um you know folks in Rochester are growing up in in high school like that and these huge just seems like different worlds and so I kind of felt like I need to get involved somehow um so I reached out to some folks in my church and um through God's providence got plugged in with 441, and thankfully they had a volunteer uh, slot for me, and I was able to start volunteering that summer with the uh, kids and uh, the kids ministry and our uh, farm stand, which was partnership with Foodlink to bring in produce into the neighborhood. Um, So fast forward about three years, I stayed involved with 441 um, and developed sort of a mentoring relationship with 441's founder, Chris Holdridge, who's now the pastor of New City Fellowship Church. Um, and during my senior year of college, um, at my internship site and I get a, an email newsletter from 441 saying that they're going to start this coffee shop and that it's primarily 
um, an avenue to employ youth in the neighborhood. And I just kind of my my jaw dropped. I texted Chris right away and I was like, I want to be involved with this because simultaneously I'm studying economic development, getting really passionate about um, utilizing business to um, create change in impoverished neighborhoods and um, and just loving coffee. And so it's like, wow, these things are happening together in the neighborhood that I want to be a part of working in when I graduate. So uh, thankfully, there was an, an employment opportunity for me there, and I became the assistant director of the uh, New City Cafe in January 2017. Fast forward a few more years, I became the director, and then just uh, three, four months ago, um, became the executive director of um, all of 441 Ministries. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm, so good. Um, yeah, so wh- what does 441 do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've already touched on pieces of it, but I know that it's a pretty wide variety of things. But yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, I think uh, 441 has two kind of faces. There's an informal and a formal uh, side of the work that we do. And I'll start with the informal uh, because that's really how 441 started. Um, The families that sort of started 441 like to say that the formal um, nonprofit kind of happened by accident. Mm. They <laughs> initially moved into the Beachwood neighborhood about 15 years ago with the desire to, to just be good neighbors. They were really convicted by the Christian call to serve the poor and um, were particularly um, inclined toward John Perkins' um, philosophy of um, this kind of ministry with the Christian Community Development Association, which starts with relocation. So saying if you want to um, minister to, to these folks. It's best if you're living in community with them. Um, so some some families relocated to the Beachwood neighborhood, um, which is one of Rochester's poorest and most underserved neighborhoods, and they just started kind of grassroots ministry, getting to know their neighbors, um, having backyard barbecues, doing games with kids in the park, um, all sorts of just the everyday stuff of life, but in the, in the context of cross-cultural um, relationships with the desire to just see um, broken relationships restored. Um, So that was happening for a while. And then through um, God's providence, um, some really cool stories that um, maybe we'll save for another day. We ended up with a building. Um, Just shout out to Grace Church for making (laughs) that happen. Um, And and so we ended up having this building and, and kind of went from being this grassroots ministry they're like we have six apartment units now and we have mm-hmm. ministry space and we have you know this is this is a nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> so formally be um got registered as a nonprofit yeah. and named 441 ministries based on our street address 441 parcels of um and started some more formal programming so programs that we have now include affordable housing we have nine different apartment units in the neighborhood that we are maintaining to a high level and trying to upgrade um, while keeping them below market rate. Um, We have job training and development primarily at at this time through um, the New City Cafe, which again was planted to create jobs for teens and young adults in our community. Um, We've got kids and teen programs and mentoring. We have some avenues toward um, bringing in healthy food into the neighborhood, including partnership with Food Links Curbside Market, a community garden. Um, what else do we do? We, <laughs> we do a lot of stuff, um, but all of it is kind of this, our, our mission statement is uh, to bring hope, healing, and holistic development to the Beachwood neighborhood. So we 
are really trying to do all these different programming, meet people wherever they're at in, in every phase of life um, in our community and have programs and relationships that, um, that serve them. You know, um, I kind of want to back up to your personal story because um, I love Eastern University, you know, good neighbors. Um, you know, so there's an individual named Shane Claiborne who's connected to them, part of the simple way. And I think I got that right. But, you know, basically he he's kind of provided this model, which is what you talked about, which is we're not just going to live outside of where we want to minister, but we're going to be missional and actually live and serve that place. So I guess I'm kind of curious from your perspective, we're going to do a lot of podcasts here that, hey, you know what? I'm going to live in Webster. I'm going to live in the Burbs, but I'll go serve in the urban ministry. And you made the conscious decision to say, no, if I want to make a difference, I'm going to have to live there. How is Eastern a part of that? You know, just bring us through your thought process with that. Yeah, I think um, I really appreciated that focus at Eastern. Um, I got to participate in the homeless ministry that Shane kind of helped um, start, and Shane was definitely a big inspiration. But this idea of um, these ideas seemed really coupled of intentional community and living among the poor, and there's just, just that kind of undergirding idea um, within kind of the ethos of Eastern, I think, and, and definitely in particular within our economic development major. Sometimes when I tell people I was an economic mm-hmm. development major, they think I have like great knowledge of all these <laughs> charts and can can speak to the, you know, NPR's Planet Money podcast or whatever. But, <laughs> but really it was more of a focus on how do we utilize uh, business to as a tool within the context of community development among the poor. And this idea that... Um, it, it should happen um, in the context of intentional community was, was just a big part of that. Um, so, sorry, your question, how did I make that, that call? Well, yeah, what, how did you, did how did you make, because uh, there, there might be a few listeners that make that decision mm-hmm. that say, you know what, if I'm really going to make a difference in this polarized climate, I'm going to have to make a huge change. So, I mean, just walk people through. Yeah, I, and that, yeah, I don't claim to <laughs> to be an expert on that, but I think, you know, I think there's a, a, a large degree to which we all recognize these divisions in our society, and we want to see healing happen, um, and we want to engage in cross cultural relationships. Mm. But just practically, the majority culture needs to be the one to bend toward the minority culture or the the rich Mm. need to bend toward the poor because let's say we wanted to do the same thing that we're doing at 441 in um pittsford not to you know nothing against pittsford but our neighbors in beachwood could not move to pittsford they could not afford housing there whereas we could afford housing in beachwood um so I think just practically speaking, it's um, it's a necessary tool toward those um, relationships, not in every context, not to say that the only way cross-cultural uh, relationships can come about is through um, relocation, but um, but it's it's a powerful tool to get there and to, and to really know what people are experiencing. Um, all of us put on put on our best face when when we've got visitors coming over. Um, 
and so sometimes organizations that that go into um, poorer communities but believe at five o'clock probably don't know what's really facing um, the folks in that community but when you live there and you're yeah. you know your kids are playing with with their kids <coughs> and your your backyards bump, bump up against each other and <laughs> you both heard the car yeah. blasting music at 3 a.m last night and are <laughs> struggling to sleep um, you know that's when you start to say okay I, I, I see what you're experiencing I feel it um, and and you know that I'm not going anywhere like I mm-hmm. yeah. I, I put down roots here so you can be vulnerable with me as I'm vulnerable with you and I think that just breaks down so many barriers mm-hmm. yeah. in ways that um, that just are you know um, physical divides um, can't break down the same barriers yeah I love it I think it's so cool um, just on a like a trusting level like yeah there is something so deep about actually you know forming these roots in a place instead of just being like okay see ya (laughs) this is fun to hang out um yeah I love it so much uh how like when you first started working with 441 and you know even planning like to move into the Beechwood neighborhood how did people react to that like I'm thinking like parents or your friends like how did they what did they think when you're like I'm gonna move here into an area that you know probably isn't the safest for all the time or whatever um generalizing but yeah what did how did people react to that yeah um yeah my parents are probably a good example (laughs) Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll be listening so thank you for all your support mom and dad um well, yeah, they're, they're, all, all six of our parents are going to listen, so it's all yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> yeah, thankful to have supportive parents. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were, I mean, they were, they were nervous. There was no yeah. shortage of like conversations with um, when we would have Chris and Alicia Holdridge um, over for dinner. My parents would kind of grill them on like, <laughs> all right, like, is this safe? Are there alternatives? Yeah. Like North Winton Village is right across Culver. <laughs> how about like, how about they just live there? And, and uh, can, is that effective? And um, yeah, so some, I think, genuine good kind of concerns, but also, um, yeah, tons of, tons of support. Thankfully, um, being just connected to the 441 mm-hmm. and, and New City Fellowship um, community, um, which I, I guess I, I should probably mention New City Fellowship is our, our neighborhood church plant, which mm-hmm. kind of works in tandem with 441. Um, I, I don't think we could be nearly as effective as an organization without the local church. Um, yeah. So that's that's a big part of, of what we do. Um, and Chris is the pastor there. Um, but it's basically a, a group of, of people that are all kind of sharing the same vision and and doing things together so generally when I just think of uh, friends and an overall community just lots of support and encouragement to to come and and join Um, but but yeah uh, parents and probably a few others are like my grandpa every time there's a a shooting on parcels he's always you know calling me and is you know is thinking that I'm in the midst of it um, and yeah well that's a great question Alyssa I, I guess it's interesting from your parents' side, you're married, so how did you meet your wife, and what did it look like to have this conversation? I mean, where where were both of you on this conversation of, and I'm less concerned about living, like, so I think about this, you know, my wife, 
my grandma, rest her soul, you know, she's like, my son, my grandson's going to be a pastor. And my wife's like, and she's a mental health counselor. She's like, that's probably projection. And I was like, no, I really do want to become a pastor. Like, <laughs> so we had that. So, I mean, bring us into that relationship. How did you, were you always on the same page or just, yeah, share with us that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I met my wife, uh, Patience, at Eastern University, and she um, she grew up in New Jersey. So um, coming up here to to my territory was um, she. I guess she always knew it was part of the package because by the time <laughs> by the time we started dating, um, I was already infatuated with 441 mm. and uh, <laughs> and felt God calling me to be part of the work that was happening there. I didn't know it would happen formally. I didn't know I'd be. I'm actually working for 441, but I um, felt a call to live in the community there and be part of the work. So, um, so pretty soon after we started dating, she she kind of knew like if if this this is uh, it. This is it. And, <laughs> and and in all fairness, I I wanted to be open to that. You know, not being the case mm-hmm. to saying you know this isn't just her following me, but like right. where is God calling us together? And if I truly like feel deeply called to this, um, that that can only be a f- affirmed if if she also feels mm. called to it so mm. so yeah I was pretty intentional about um her making trips up here and visiting folks connected to to 441 and New City Fellowship and um and she had the same background same major um economic development so she was really inclined toward these ideas of intentional community and living among the poor um so so it was a little bit of a yeah it was it was I would say relatively smooth um, transition, um, but but we did initially when we got married, we um, ended up living not within the Beechwood neighborhood, but we're still living in Rochester, and and that was an, an interesting time also, um, because one of the things that I think I was I, I was I guess I was confronted with two things uh, within that time. The first was when getting married, I, I had to learn that my first ministry is to my wife, um, and I need to prioritize that over whatever my work, my formal, um, yeah, job ministry might be. And, um, within that process felt, we felt compelled to, to live somewhere else initially and super thankful for the grace of, uh, the church and folks at 441 that were encouraging us to move into the neighborhood, but said, um, you know, if God's not calling you to, then he's not calling you to. And that also, helped me um I have like a predisposition to be um probably somewhat like rigid and, and judgmental and I'm thankful for um you know God breaking down uh, my heart in in that way and I think if I initially moved into the beach neighborhood mm-hmm. I wouldn't have as much grace for people that choose to be part of our work but don't live in the neighborhood um and there's a lot of folks mm-hmm. that are part of our church are, are part of 441 who don't live in the neighborhood and I think I would have been a little bit more rigid if I just did it from the beginning but I'm glad that I didn't and just got to experience those dynamics and the grace of others so that I can now understand, I think, where people are coming from a little bit more. Um, well, so. I mean, you brought it up. How do you manage that tension? <laughs> you know, so if I started serving 441 ministry, you know, God could always call me to the Beachwood neighborhood, but most likely I'd probably stay in the Webster Penfield area. Um like, how do you manage with volunteers, with people that have moved there? I mean, what are some landmines or even, you don't even have to go negative, but mm-hmm. how do you help kind of people be together as opposed to being rigid, as you said? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a a, a real dynamic that anyone who 
deeply gets involved with 441 and New City Fellowship should be asking themselves, should I move into the neighborhood? I think that's mm. um, that's got to be part of the package. So I, I don't I don't think we would want to say like come get really involved, serve in this high level position, or like become a member of our church without even considering this and and kind of making it the default like i think you know um you should move here and and only not move here if god if you feel god calling you not to move here you know like the so that the default option is is almost different whereas i think we usually um approach those questions of like i'm I'm only going to move to the hard area if i feel like god is really calling me there but maybe i I, um and i'd love some you know pastoral uh um you know unpacking of biblical passages to to, to really wrestle with the, the overall Christian context of this. But I do think that God is often calling people away from the, the familiar and the comfortable and into the, the difficult areas. Um, so, if, if, so anyway, I think that that's kind of something that I would want everyone who's getting involved with our organization to, to wrestle with. Um, but again, not in like a legalism way, almost like a, hey, you seem to really care about our neighbors here and you seem to really want to build relationships with them. The best way to do that is going to be to to, to live here <laughs> yeah. and to kind of help folks see like, oh yeah, no, this is, this is what I, this is what I want to do. And, and the, the fruits of that, like for, for me, moving into the neighborhood has been so, so great for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and not that I want to think about this in terms of just, um, you know, my own kind of, what I've gotten out of this or something, but there's the, the richness of relationships. I could not, um, have imagined how, how great it would be living in the neighborhood. Um, so I think folks who are interested in kind of urban community development should, should just really be asking themselves that and, and should kind of be considering the ways that it, um, is, is even more fulfilling what their own kind of desires are as they get passionate about serving Mm. a community like that yeah that's awesome um so we've kind of touched on serving a little bit um explaining you know how your ministry works but i just want to talk about you know volunteering is what this whole podcast series is about so what does volunteering look like to you and um like how would you define it and also yeah, like what kinds of volunteers does 441 need or use now? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's been fun kind of reflecting on our volunteers um, in preparation for this because I almost didn't realize just how many volunteers we yeah. <laughs> we have. And I, um, so when I was, and I was also trying to come up with just like a, a, a quick definition of volunteer. So I pretty much just my definition that I've been uh, contemplating is someone doing a job that they, that, someone could get paid for but doing it for free essentially is how i'm thinking of Mm. of volunteering um there's probably a better definition out there but wikipedia's wasn't that great either so um (laughs) we'll take it yeah yeah. it sounds somewhat (laughs) spiritual so there you go um yeah so our volunteers you know range from my favorite volunteers are those that pick up our donuts and bagels (laughs) every morning so that i don't have to wake up at, at six every morning to do that um so yeah we've got folks that are doing like simple things like that, just picking up supplies for, mm-hmm. for our cafe. And then we've got folks that are helping out with our social media uh, pages, folks that are helping um, 
serve on our development committee and raise funds for 441. All of our board members are volunteers. Um, Teen mentors, there's this huge kind of spectrum of of folks that that volunteer for 441. Um, So. Wow. Well, so I think even why we want to have that definition is, you know, realizing the current events, realizing what's happening this year, like there's a time to learn, there's a time to listen, and then there's a time to, hey, you know what, I want to be part of the solution. And so I guess I'm kind of curious, mm. this last year, <laughs> 2020, 2021, here we are. Um, why is it important for people to volunteer, you know, specifically in a neighborhood or even in their neighborhood? There mm-hmm. could be some people that live in Beechwood that are listening to this podcast and all, oh, I didn't know 441 was here. So mm-hmm. I guess I'd be curious kind of how you see this ministry and opportunity fulfilling something that helps connect people together. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's important to build cross-cultural relationships and I think it's important to like volunteer or serve in this context and in so far as it is it accomplishes that and I um and also I think there are times when it happens maybe not through through volunteering. So I when I think about this like um, you know, the context that you kind of put us in 20, 2020. Um, we've seen just how divided we are uh, as a country. and But also I think, you know, that just misunderstandings and mistrust and that relationships are, are the key to that, to to fixing that. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of folks I talk to just really have no idea kind of like the, the life situation of, of um, folks living in poverty in, in Rochester, and and so one, but once you start getting to know people, you understand these whole spectrums a lot better. Um, and so I, I think engaging in cross cultural relationships is extremely important uh, to that end. Um, yeah, how that how that fits in with volunteering is it's interesting. Um, you know, I think because as we've been exploring, um, the heart of what we're doing at at 441 is for is for deep long-lasting meaningful relationships mm-hmm. um so we want folks to experience that and uh and and to i guess really to have the right heart when you're coming into it and to i think something that's so important is being a student um and i'm still trying to be a student of um our neighborhood and and the experiences of my neighbors and um i, I think sometimes volunteering can come in folks can say i really want to make a difference but really the first step is probably just to um to come in and to be a a student Mm -hmm. and to um and only through kind of knowing a situation can you um potentially get involved in in service and make a difference or maybe you know that it might not you realize through that process that okay this isn't this isn't for me um kind of rambling right now as I as I'm working no 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 these tensions of uh no I think I think what you're doing though is kind of setting because I I mean we're talking a lot about tensions during this series and even when Alyssa and I did our first episode about this and we were just talking about like you don't want to come in and try to be 
like try to be the savior. Mm -hmm. You want to come in and serve. And even just the nature of a neighborhood ministry, like it's just, it sounds like a multiplication of time. You know, if I live outside that neighborhood, there's a certain level that I have to understand. I just don't get, Mm -hmm. you know, it goes back to your 3 a.m. in the morning. And so, you know, I think even my concern as a pastor is, you know, I see these issues and you pick any person or, you know, just group of people. And it's like, I don't know this person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know how to help you except, you know, because not everybody wants to be like a project or or the question. So it's having some of these Mm -hmm. conversations and volunteering opportunities that I kind of feel like is just so important. And, you know, I'd even, I mean, I'd be curious, Alyssa, you know, and Nick, if you, I mean, even just go to New City Cafe once a week and buy a cup of coffee. That is, that's like, as like simple, like you don't have to call Nick, you don't, I don't know. Like, how do you kind of walk through that, Alyssa, just as you're helping people find volunteering opportunities like 441? Yeah, I'm sorry. I actually am distracted now because I had a hot chocolate from New City Cafe, and then I thought about it for, like, weeks after. It was (laughs) so good. It was just so good. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm distracted now. But can you repeat your question? No, 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 no. So... I mean, I guess there's kind of levels to this. Like, I mean, ideally what you're saying is move into the neighborhood. Mm. You know, even with Alyssa, like what you're dealing with is, you know, you might go to another country, but the vast majority, at least in this church, maybe most of our listeners, they're not going to go. So, you know, how do you help people navigate that tension and just walk them through it? Mm. Hot chocolate. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, yeah, I think... It's interesting because um, at least so coming from like a missions perspective of we'll just say short term because long term missions is essentially 441 just plugged somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But so for short term, it's easier to just I mean, you prepare and whatever. And then you go, you serve for a week and then you come back and then life just sort of like goes back to normal. I mean, Hopefully you're changed in some kind of way that you make changes in your everyday life. But a lot of the time, like you just you're taken out of that um, service opportunity, like you're taken out of the extreme situation that you are in, the poverty that you've seen. And now you're back in, you know, your cozy house in Penfield. Um, So it's easy to like be affected, but then also to just like, okay, well, I'm going back to normal life um but yeah so so crossing the the lines that divide us really like moving to the Beachwood area sounds like that's a commitment (laughs) so it's that's a big commitment going to New City Cafe to get a hot chocolate is not a commitment I mean it's delicious and it does you know benefit um the ministry but yeah like how I don't know it's almost like sorry I've got a lot of thoughts in my head now because I'm thinking like to cross the the boundaries or cross the lines like how do you how do you do that like in a way I don't know I think it's easy to just be like "Eh, I don't know it's uh, it's easier to just 
buy buy something from their cafe or just donate online or something like how do you actually like get in there yeah it sounds like you're wrestling with this <laughs> so i'd love to hear <laughs> same yeah yeah definitely um yeah one of our hopes for for new city cafe and i you know we're, we're trying to figure this out um but is to be a really an intersectional place so my hope would be that if someone made that kind of commitment that that you try to put forward like just swing by once a week um that they would do so with kind of like an openness of whoever they might meet when they come in and um and hopefully through that you know it might not first two times you come you might be the only one sitting in our in our seating area um for a little bit you might not or you know you might not meet any new folks from the neighborhood but but let's say you do and um and just being open to that relationship i think could we're hoping to create a space where you would meet people who you would never otherwise mm. meet and we want it to be this intersectional you know um folks from everywhere um are are gathering you know primarily hopefully like our, our target's always 50 percent from the neighborhood um, so hopefully if you come, you're going to get to know some folks from the neighborhood and that could build these relationships. Um, what I, yeah, I, I see so many grassroots relationships that have started that way that, you know, simple things like a lot of our neighbors don't have cars, but need to get groceries. And then you see a relationship that developed from someone who was just coming with an open mind and open heart into the cafe, um, gets to know someone and a month later they're driving them around the city doing doing various stuff for them or maybe helping out with some child care and that's but that's again that um they're coming in open open mind getting to know this person and not necessarily like you know I'd, I'd hate for us to kind of fill the cafe with people that uh are waiting for neighborhood neighborhood uh folks to come in and be like how can i help you right um but again it's so the idea would be like i just want to build a relationship and i think when we are doing that we're also um you know something i was touching on earlier is we end up being also served by folks mm-hmm. and there's um you asked me for my definition of volunteer which i which i prepared was like more clean cut my definition <laughs> of service is sort of like mm. when i think of service i think of this far more blurred line that like true service i don't know where like me serving you stops and you serving me begins and we're just kind of like oh we're just serving or living or we're just in relationship and i think that's that's what uh that's the best (laughs) that's what i love seeing through the the grassroots relational ministry work at 441 and uh yeah i think and yeah well oh go ahead well i was just gonna say i think that's where like you had mentioned the the savior aspect when you go in to be like i can see that this person is materialistically poorer than I am like it's so easy to walk in and be like what can I do for you I'm super great and I can I'm very helpful and I'd love to you know pour out all the things that I have um so yeah I just think that's such a cool way to think about like the blurred line of serving because if you treat people like actual people and not based on and we've talked about like the the economic levels and what's you know they're deeper than just like the financial piece but um yeah just really wanting to get to know people just because they're humans like i love it well and i think that that's huge i'm gonna go super nerdy on you because you brought it up so (laughs) 
so your your degree is in economic development and and even kind of what Alyssa said so I also kind of see like I wouldn't this could be a problem all of a sudden you know gentrification in the Beachwood neighborhood mm -hmm. and so I guess from your experience and in this ministry you know what you don't want is you don't want you know people from the suburbs moving to this neighborhood ministry and all of a sudden the housing prices go up mm -hmm. and things like so I guess mm -hmm. in your kind of I want to put your expert hat on <laughs> how do you because that's been a big problem mm -hmm. like how do you kind of walk through that knowing that hey we're trying to be a transitional place but we want to keep the neighborhood the neighborhood and yeah yeah it's it's incredibly complicated <laughs> um you know, because neighborhoods are not sort of uh, stagnant things. Um, sometimes we think, you know, like the point at which I, when I moved in, this is what the neighborhood was like. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the, um, and all these changes have happened, but really the neighborhoods are changing all of the time. And I think um, when we enter a neighborhood like Beachwood, um, some of the work that we want to do is, you know, keep, keep people safer, create jobs, um, create better housing. But all of those things, inevitably make the neighborhood more attractive <laughs> right. and then turn around and, and make housing prices rise as demand to live in the, in the neighborhood increases. So I think, I mean, I think housing is key. Um, keeping affordable housing in the neighborhood is, is important. So that's, um, has been a pillar of 441, but I think it's becoming an even bigger, um, focus for us. And, and we've got some great community partners like the uh, City Roots Community Land Trust that's doing more work to ensure that there's affordable housing in the city. Because, um, yeah, housing prices determine so much. Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, there's no, I don't think there's, yeah, there's not a, there's not a simple answer. Um, well, well, and then, you know, my follow-up question to you is help people understand what you're doing like so what you started a coffee shop mm -hmm. like you know I'm, I'm gonna pick on myself every millennial their dream is to start a coffee shop <laughs> you know why are you worried about starting a coffee shop why you know the other week i was i brought lunch to a few people that were working on the um a building i'll say i'll let you fill in the blank to what that building was just in <laughs> case i'm not am i allowed to say it yeah sure it's yeah. a coffee roastery you know yeah. so <laughs> Why is all of this so important and, you know, just help us under, help our listeners understand, because maybe there might even be a volunteer opportunity in that. So, mm. yeah. yeah, totally. So um, within the, the building that we purchased, there's two storefronts and six apartments um, at our at the, the kind of the flagship location, uh, 441. And about five, six years ago, the business that was in uh, the one storefront went out of business. So mm. we had been kind of operating the, the first storefront as general ministry space, uh, kids, teen gatherings, community meals, um, narcotics, anonymous meetings, things like that. And then when the other um, business went out, went out of business and we said, okay, we've got this storefront, what are we going to do with it? Um, we were really motivated by our, um, by our, our, the teens in our neighborhood. Mm. And we've kind of, we had these programs, kids, kids ministry, teen ministry. Um, but we noticed, you know, as kids are getting older, we aren't able to kind of retain them in the ways that we would like to. And, and I think we're pretty familiar with um, the situation of the Rochester City School District, just ginormous rates of, of kids that don't uh, finish high school. Mm. 
and we're just actually seeing through you know our windows kids that used to be part of our programs now caught up in in life on the streets and we said okay we need to create something that's gonna um, impact that particular situation and so the idea of the coffee shop was um, we got we got to create some jobs for for young young people in our neighborhood um, and time and time again even just now when I'm walking around the neighborhood talking to, to people you you hear from from a lot of young folks um, how badly they want jobs in the neighborhood stuff that they can walk to because wow. transportation is just it's mm. a totally different game in the city yeah. like most 20 year olds in our neighborhood that I know don't have their driver's license yet whereas mm. when I was you know I was 17 which was probably even late in some ways you know like in the um, in the suburbs, I feel like if you turn 16, you get that permit, you uh, get everything lined up. Hopefully your, your parents are going to share a car with you or even <laughs> give you a car, right? And it's just, yeah. you're driving right away. And that's just not the case in the city. So um, families relying on public transportation and to for a, like a teenager in Rochester to get home from school, jump on a bus, mm-hmm. head out to Arondecoit, navigate, work for a few hours, navigate the bus system and get home it's just it's it's nuts yeah. <laughs> um so it's just not not super realistic for for young people in our community to to get jobs very easily so um we're again through being in relationship and listening to the needs of our uh neighbors um especially the teenagers we we realized okay we got to create some jobs for young people in, in the neighborhood and the idea of the coffee shop was uh coffee shops are, are great gathering places and mm-hmm. so we wanted it to be a, an open space where people can just kind of come and hang out and get to know one another and um yeah it's it's kind of it's it's evolved a lot over the years and i think um hopefully we're we're better than we've ever been but we um one of our desires is to create kind of a, a high quality uh, coffee shop experience the best hot chocolate you've ever had um <laughs> but then to do it at prices that are affordable to our community so our small coffee is just one dollar um right. and and everything is we have pretty thin uh profit margins so we do that to uh in, in sort of like a cross-cultural ministry way of taking something that's been sort of part of um, majority culture experience and say, you know, to our neighbors, hey, you, you deserve this also. We, we love this and we think you're going to love this. And uh, um, yeah, so wow, that's, yeah. that's the, the picture, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I know where you're located in that big, I mean, it's like a painted square. I like <laughs> that the street is like colorful. Um, yeah. So how do people... Like, do people just stumble upon 441 or do you advertise like in the Beachwood neighborhood? How do you want like get people? That's not, it's Carrier that's not pigeons, correct. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. How do you them. like attract people to 441 to, yeah, to create relationships to serve them mm-hmm. in certain ways? But like, yeah, how do people find 441? Yeah. Um, yeah. For, through my involvement with the ministry, most of what we've done has been pretty much on a grassroots level. I don't think we've, I haven't been a part of something that was kind of an intentional sort of walking around, knocking on doors and just uh, um, getting new folks involved. And I think that's something we could and and probably should do at at some point. Um, I think um, even though the organization is somewhat old, like, I don't know, it's a, 
I think formally started in 2012. I think we're still kind of, all of our programs are really getting refined and we're still, um, still learning, mm-hmm. which is, Absolutely. I think, a, a key to, to what we're doing. So we, I think we developed, we've developed a lot of great relationships with um, families in our community and word spreads well. And uh, like our kids ministry, for example, just we, a new family moves into parcels within a quarter mile radius of us and they just end up knowing about it and, mm-hmm. and hear about it from other kids. Yeah. And, and we've definitely got great community partners, like folks at school 33 know about us and um, East High and Community Place and, and all these different kind of community partners. So, um, so yeah, I think word primarily spreads on a grassroots level, but yeah. Beachwood is a huge neighborhood and there are so yeah. many people and, and has the highest percentage of kids of any neighborhood in Rochester. Oh, wow. And yeah. so um, I'd almost love to plant like five more 441s <laughs> on different corners all yeah. throughout the neighborhood um, because there are tons of kids who probably have never heard of 441 right. and we would love to to serve them also and to have uh, programs that are um yeah helping them with with everything and yeah yeah so. <laughs> yeah cool. well before we get we'll do two final questions this has been super informative mm-hmm. so i want you to think 441 and then like big like you know, some of our listeners are from Portland, they might be from Atlanta or Chicago, wherever they're from, there isn't a 441 there yet, I should say. (laughs) But, um, you know, when you're thinking about a neighborhood ministry and you're thinking about volunteering, um, you know, you've talked about just a lot of the tensions and we had a previous phone call. What are you looking for with a volunteer? What are the opportunities? Is it something that's super specific or is it just, we want you to be available, but you know, how would people get involved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Atlanta, there's a FCS ministry. <laughs> Scott, uh, just do a shout out to, we, we looked at them for a lot of, uh, they do some great work. So it's, um, yeah. Anyway, what, oh, what's, <laughs> the, thinking, what's uh, FCS? What, um, what does that stand for? I should know this uh. and I don't. So I can, <laughs> we'll, we'll Google it later. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. 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 There's, uh, um, but yeah. What, um, what are we looking for in a volunteer? I think, um, looking for someone who's passionate about the work. You know, if, if it's n- if you're not passionate about urban ministry, like what are you passionate about? I think in, in college, actually Shane Claiborne, I, th- I think um, during our first chapel services, freshmen uh, gave an analogy um, talking about we're all trying to figure out what we're going to major in. And um, a lot of at Christian schools, a lot of people are like, what is, you know, God, what are you calling me to? Like hoping that, you know, you open up your Bible and there's like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> like you my science textbook is actually in here. I guess I should be a biology major. Um, <laughs> but, but really he said, you know, think about where your, um, your skills and passions meet the, the needs of the world. And, and that's what you should do. Um, and so I, I think, you know, sometimes we need some prompting and, and whatnot. Um, but, but yeah, if you are, if your skills and passions are in, um, space of, of urban ministry and that's, there's this huge need within the world, or maybe it's kids specifically, or maybe it's food. Like there are so many, um, aspects to, to, um, community development in an impoverished urban neighborhood. Um, so I think pressing into that and, and having that meet the, uh, the needs of the community, then, then go, uh, press in there um and again if it's if someone is just feeling generally convicted um 
about wanting to volunteer, but you, you know, it's not, not really aligned with an organization. Like there's probably something else that, that you are passionate about. And so, um, God, you know, puts those passions in us, so we should pursue those. So, so anyway, kind of long, um, explanation, but I I do want volunteers who are like, I, I love what you're doing and I want to, and I want to be part of it. And then from that also just a desire to learn more. I think Mm -hmm. if you're, um, hopefully as you're passionate about something, um, you're recognizing also that there's, there's more for you to, to learn and to grow. So come, Mm -hmm. come alongside us, learn from us and with us and, uh, and, and put, you know, those passions that God's given you, uh, to work. Man, that's a great place to close with our last question, which is, you know, what does Jesus have to say about this topic? And um, so Alyssa and I will share our thoughts of what we learned, and then you can clean up any heresy or anything we got wrong. So Alyssa, who do you want to go first? You can go first. Oh, wow. (laughs) So as I was thinking about this interview, I I came back to the often quoted, I think it's Tip O'Neill, all politics is local. and it got me thinking, you know, all theology is local. Now, mm-hmm. I want to kind of unpack that in a way that, you know, as someone with a degree to study the Bible, we ask three questions. What does it first mean? What did the passage first mean to the original hearers? Mm-hmm. What is the passage? What are the timeless truths? And then what does it mean for us today? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, we as Christians have tried to recapture you know, all theology is local, local to Jerusalem, Hmm. Judea, but we have to also just be students, not only the ancient times, but of where we are right now. And so no matter, you know, if you never moved to an urban area, you still have to do the local theology. Jesus lived in a time in a specific place, and he knew those issues. He knew about Nazareth, he knew about Jerusalem, And he spoke to them in such a way that he was a student of culture. And so as I think about what we're talking about today, yes, yes, you should be involved in your community, but, you know, your community isn't just your neighborhood you live in. It's also the metropolitan city that you live by. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me where I'm from, I say I'm from Rochester. Sure, my address says Rochester, but technically I'm not in the city of Rochester, Mm -hmm. which means this, if I'm proud to call it that I should be caring about my neighborhood Mm -hmm. and that extends more and you know you might leave this podcast thinking you know is Peter telling us to like move to the city or is Nick telling us to and it's like well if God tells you to and if you're passionate about it then I like the way you put it we're going to assume that until God closes a door Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the same principles of learning about your community and neighborhood and volunteering and being a part of that that's just a standard way that Jesus calls us to live, and that's the way he lived. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, Alyssa. Yeah. I got going. I yeah, just, I liked know. that. That was good. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess, like, so what I was just thinking um, with this question, so, I mean, everything about 441 is relationship building. So, so much of it, I mean, all the ministries that you do, everything comes down to relationships and caring about one another um and obviously that is all over the bible and jesus you know calls you to love people um but something that was that stuck out was um just the verse about like encourage each other and build each other up and i 
just think that that is like that's 441 and that's like what being in a relationship means and I love like the holistic piece of 441 like obviously there are some needs that need to be met um whether that's like food or education um it's just part of life and that's there but then the spiritual piece of like okay but where are you with Jesus and and now that we've got like a friendship happening we can have real conversations Mm. about you know things that matter um but yeah and then you can just yeah so just the the holistic piece of truly encouraging people and building them up and treating them like humans and moving into their space like just being together uh I just think is really beautiful and yeah just something that like as Christians we're called to love one another and to truly take care of each other um and I just think it's like yeah if you're being called to move into a neighborhood that's way different than the way that you grew up or where you're currently living like do it (laughs) until God tells you not to I love that um yeah just because we're supposed to we're supposed to encourage each other and like just truly take care of each other love it yeah Nick fix whatever we broke (laughs) that was was good um yeah I do like to or I do strongly believe that the kind of foundational principles of of 441 that were built upon are are truly gospel centered and so as I've been um thinking about or I've been um reading through one of John Perkins book um just about the the general ministry philosophy of the CCDA and as these three R's the um relocation and the a big part of that idea is that um, you know, thank God Jesus didn't uh, commute back and forth to heaven. He he came and he oh, dwelt yeah. among the people. And so there's this uh, biblical idea of, of relocation that we can have our practical application. Um, and there's reconciliation. And we see in the scriptures that all of creation is longing for, um, for a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And God uses us as his um, ambassadors here on earth to reconcile broken relationships Mm. both broken relationships with one another and broken relationships with with god Mm -hmm. um so that's you know a foundational uh scriptural teaching and then the final uh r in the ccda's um handbook i guess is Mm -hmm. um is redistribution and that is primarily viewed through the context of building up um, indigenous leaders. Um, and there's economic principles of that, and there's, you know, relational principles. But, um, yeah, this idea that um, we are called to equip one another, which I think we, we see as uh, um, foundational in, in the life of uh, Christ. So I think that some of scratching the surface of what the the bible has to say about it but i I definitely uh you know appreciate pastoral input there uh no i thank you i think i think what you're saying is where there's christians we should see evidence of the gospel at the end of the day yeah so man I, i love it i love it nick thanks for joining us um so if you don't live in rochester find um i always mess it up 
It's CCDA. Yeah, Christian Community Development Association. Yeah. Which, sorry, I should also add that we uh, some of the the initial principles that they that they put out are stuff that 441 is built on, and and since then. Um, we don't perfectly align with them, so I don't want to like, oh, sure. say that uh, you know that, that's yeah, not yeah. necessarily the benchmark. <laughs> but John Perkins is the benchmark. Yeah. John Perkins. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you don't live in Rochester, there's probably a 441 near you. Support them. Um, you can go to newcitycafe.org or .com. Um, so yeah, newcityrock.com. .com. Love it. Um, and then if you're local to Rochester, I we want to bless New City. So. I want to challenge like 3,000 of you to go buy some coffee there. So do it after this episode comes out. Um, yeah, and uh, make sure when you go there, just say, hey, I heard about you on Why God Why. Sound good? <laughs> look, Sounds good. Look at that. I love it. So find us at whygodwhypodcast.com. The best way to get information is to subscribe to our email. We send you all the episodes and make sure you connect from there. Nick, thanks for joining us. Alyssa, this is fun. Yeah, I can't wait so for more. Fun. We have some more coming up. So <laughs> have a wonderful day.